0: The Virtual CISO Moment is brought to you by vCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcsoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment and our first special Wednesday end-of-month episode. We've got a wonderful guest with us today, B.J. Withrow. He joins us today. He is the Manager of Major Accounts of the East Coast for Tenable, uh, also the Beast of the East. B.J., thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Uh, Thank you, Greg. It's an honor and privilege to be here. Thank you for uh, asking me to participate. So...
0: Tell me a little bit about your journey, uh, your career journey and how you ended up coming into cyber.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, right out of high school, uh, I wanted I knew that I wanted to go to college and I want to go to the University of Tennessee. But um, my family, no one had ever been to college before. And I knew that going straight out of high school, I was probably not the most mature young man uh, and ready to tackle, uh, you know, the, the pitfalls of uh, university life. And I couldn't afford it. And so uh, my family had a strong background in, in military service, and so I chose the Navy. uh, spent four years there where I earned the GI Bill. I was stationed on the USS Enterprise, a large aircraft carrier. And then uh, coming out of the Navy, I went to the University of Tennessee. I was there from 94 to 98.
0: Wow. So so first of all, thank you for your service, and I totally understand that's actually a good point to make that sometimes when you leave high school and you're not really sure about what what you want to do, taking a break or doing something else is a good thing for me. I think you you did the better thing for me. I took a year off and I was a janitor at a hotel and I learned I did not want to clean other people's vomit. <laughs> so it's a career. So, so I think I made a
1: good choice like pivoting. What What did you do in the in the Navy? So I was uh, I was a radioman. And so, uh, you know, for for people who aren't familiar on the aircraft carrier, there's in the middle of the aircraft carrier, there's a communications uh, shack. We call it the radio shack. And that's where all the crypto gear is, all the satellite communication gear. And our job primarily was to uh, to receive all the ship to ship communications, ship to shore. And then uh, we would classify those and then we would distribute those on a need to know basis uh, based on you know, who they were to be routed to and and et cetera.
0: And then after that, you said you went to the University of Tennessee and you were there from 94 to 98, you said?
1: That's right. The very best year, right? I mean, championship, uh, championship year. Um, It's funny, you mentioned, you mentioned you were a janitor right out of high school and you, you knew that you didn't want to do that the rest of your life. But I enjoyed my time in the service, but there was some very hard times as well. And I knew that you know, I could not be a full-time military person. I have a lot of respect for our men and women who serve full-time. But um, I knew that when I went to the University of Tennessee that I really wanted to apply myself because I wanted to be successful. And I did not want to go back into some of the hard labor and some of the hard work that, you know, that I had to put in during my four years. And so I was very motivated to be a good student, much more so than when I was in high school. So I kind of oh. I, I kind of shared that similar uh with oh you.
0: oh to- to- totally it and don't have time to get into it but I I I I was a challenge in high school. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so, <laughs> there you go. But, but, but you, you were actually at UT the same time that I was there in Knoxville, not as a student, but that was one of my early, uh, I'm dating myself now, but that was one of my early um, career jobs. I was a network engineer for UT Med Center, which of course is right across the river down there, down Alcoa Highway and all that. And, and I got exposed to the whole idea of like um, SEC football in the South. Uh, cause mm. I, I grew up in the North. I didn't know anything about football and I didn't know anything about that. In fact, a buddy of mine, when I told him I was going to UT, he said, oh, you're going to be a paid volunteer. And I'm like, I didn't know what he was talking about. So it's like, um, but, but so, so, okay. So, so from UT, I don't want to spend all the time, like, uh, going down memory lane there, then, then, uh, uh tell me about uh, where you went after that.
1: Sure, and I, and I'll kind of condense this for uh, for your listeners. But so after um, after University of Tennessee, I thought I was going to be a teacher, uh, and as fate would have it, I did not go into teaching, uh, and I ended up eventually working for Verizon. Um, it was mm-hmm. WorldCom and MCI, then Verizon uh, over the course of uh, some events there. But um, I thought I was going to spend most of my career there at Verizon. Um, I was there a little over thirteen years. And I'm I love technology. I'm not an engineer. I'm not uh, deep in the technical weeds, but I love technology. I love solving business problems. And I was exposed to a lot at Verizon with their portfolio. Um, And one of the things that I I became very interested in was security. Um, That was one of the offerings that we had at Verizon was uh, pen testing, uh, assessments, social engineering engagements, things like that. And every time I sat in on one of those discussions with a customer, uh, I just kept seeing that this is going to be a huge existential threat uh, to not just to us here in the States, but globally. And that this is not going away. And I really wanted to focus on a security specific role. And when an opportunity came up uh, with Tenable, um, I explored it. I knew a little bit about Tenable. Uh, This is going back almost eight years now. I've been with Tenable, Uh, but at the time I'd never heard of Tenable, but I'd heard of Nessus and our Mm -hmm. practitioners were using Nessus to do network scans, uh, quarterly scans and things like that for our customers. And they raved about how great that tool was. And so when I started digging in and found out exactly who Tenable was and what, you know, their, their mission statement was and how they were helping organizations of all sizes, not just the large enterprises, but the small, medium sized businesses, I knew that's where I wanted to be. And, uh, since I've joined, I've, I've absolutely loved being in the security space and, the, and working with the community.
0: Yeah. And, and so what the, the beast of the East comment, that was from a post that you had on LinkedIn recently. What, what was, that was a, uh, an award you won, right?
1: Yeah, that that's, that's kind of funny. We, uh, so Temple has a really, uh, great culture, uh, it, with our customers, but also within inside the company. And one of our core values is, you know, uh, we, we celebrate success. And so they're very uh, quick to recognize uh, folks who are contributing, hardworking. And so our area vice president has an award where he will hand select each quarter uh, one person uh, who's per- done a great job, uh, performance, Etc. And then uh, he will award that to him, and, and it's called the Beast of the East. And so I, I kind of uh, threw something out there on LinkedIn. I, if you ever look at any of my posts, uh, and for your listeners, I just I just hope and pray that you don't take me too seriously. Um, <laughs> I cannot stand social media posts that are soulless, uh, without personality. Someone just copies and pastes a post, and so I try to interject some of my sarcasm, some of my humor. In uh, my own opinion, into it as well. It's, it's not always right. It may not always be correct. Uh, you know, but uh, I, you know, I, I put on there. I wish they had allowed me to rename it the "Sexy Beast of the East" award, but that was totally denied. <laughs> totally denied.
0: Well, you, you you never know unless you try. So, but uh, uh so so um, you mentioned Nessus, and, and and I always think way back in the day. Um, Ness originally, um, was a, was a free product that I actually grew up using Ness. That was my first, um, exposure to vulnerability assessments. And then, um, I've, I've used Tenable a lot. Um, and I know a lot of, uh, security practitioners use Tenable often and businesses do. Um, but just to clarify is, is Tenable, is it, is the company just about vulnerability management? Do you have other items in the portfolio?
1: Sure. That's a great question. So one of the things I love about Tenable is that, you know, at the, you kind of mentioned this with Nessus, at the core of our DNA, we really are about understanding vulnerabilities in an environment. And this isn't just for large organizations. Uh, This is for any company, regardless of sector or vertical or the size of the company, number of employees. You know, if you go back to the old uh, SANS, what is it, the top 10, top 20 model? You know, number one, if I'm if I remember correctly, is, you know, know everything that's on your network. Number mm-hmm. two is understand what vulnerabilities you have on those assets on your network. And number three is patch. I mean, those are the top three fundamentals of a good cyber hygiene program. And uh, Tim has never, veer, you know, veered away from that. Um, mm-hmm. We have evolved. Uh, as new things, uh, what we call modern assets, have come on the scene, things like web applications, uh, public cloud, uh, containers, uh, OT uh, environments, IoT. As those things have you know, come onto the scene, you know, Tenable has kept in lockstep with that. I um, don't want to make this a big Tenable commercial, but you know, just in the past 24 months, we've acquired five companies. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, and so when we look at when we look at where we're at now, and where we're going, Tenable is all about cyber exposure management. Uh, and we are looking for vulnerabilities. It's not just on workstations and laptops. You know, we're looking at things like Active Directory now where we continuously monitor changes in Active Directory that lead to compromise. Because to Tenable, you know, an Active Directory user is an asset and a misconfiguration and identity. Is a vulnerability, and so now we can show you what's going on in identity. We can show you what's going on in public cloud. Uh, We purchased a company for attack surface management, so now for the first time we can take what Nessus is is showing you internally. Here's the vulnerabilities internally inside my organization. Now we can marry that up with an external view. These are all my public-facing assets, and we can put those things together, and we can we can show a, a more holistic overview of what's going on across your whole organization, uh, not just in one little siloed area or one little focus area, if you will.
0: Okay. Well, very good. So, so in that sense, I'm sure that y- you've been exposed to, you say that Tenable works with large companies, small companies, medium-sized companies. We, on on this, uh, on this podcast, we, we focus more in the small and mid-sized uh, business space. Um, what, in your opinion, might be one of the top risks that information security risks that a small and mid-sized business has today?
1: Yeah, and, and these are my personal opinions. You know, you guys can feel free to make them your own if you want. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think the threat, regardless of size, is, is somewhat the same. Uh, and maybe I'll use analogy on this. But in, in my home, uh, we have it's, it's me and my wife. And we have five children. And at any given time within our household, we probably have over a hundred devices that are connected to our home network. Wow. And so, you know, I'm playing IT manager because I'm responsible for the network. I'm playing a security guy because I'm having to look for vulnerabilities in all these devices. Uh, I've got, you know, laptops. I've got smartwatches. I've got, you know, internet of hackable things. I mean, all that comes into play and it's overwhelming. For me in that that small environment, when I look at organizations, small medium businesses um the threat is so it, it's 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 kind of the same, but it's a little different uh What I see one of the biggest challenges is is that most of these organizations don't have a dedicated team for security. They might have one person that's responsible for network, and maybe they do some things with firewall. Uh, but they don't have the time, or maybe even the skill set, to do some of the other "quote unquote" security things. And so, um, one of the things that um, I think one of the biggest threats is just assets on, in the environment that they're either aware of or not that have known vulnerabilities on them. That that's one of the very first places where you know the bad people come in and look to do bad things within an organization. I would say, you know, unpatched systems, vulnerabilities in in the environment, and then also maybe um, alert fatigue. Um, And that's kind of a common, maybe a buzzword across our whole industry. But, you know, folks have products uh, that give them alerts, whether it's a firewall or, you know, other tools. And it, it seems like everything now is just kind of critical or high and you know, I kind of have a saying, if everything is critical and high, then then nothing is. How, how right. do I respond? So those are probably right. the two biggest issues. You know, show me where my risk is and then show me what to how to prioritize because I just don't have a lot of people or time.
0: Well, I you know, that's one of the things that we see um in the virtual CISO space where um when when we start with a new client, uh one of the first things that we try to understand. Is what is your inventory? What is your inventory of your information? What is your inventory of your networked assets? As you said, a hundred. And as a side note, when you said that you have like a hundred connected in your house, my my first impression was like, no, there's there's no way. But I think about the, it's I just live with my wife, and and at any given time, we probably have like there's probably like between 25 and 30 things that are on the net because you have so many things. You have like thermostats and this and that and and cameras. I mean, each one, you know, we've got a couple of cameras, each one of them are on the net and uh, in various configurations. But but you can't, one of the standing rules of information security is that you can't protect what you don't know about. Mm-hmm. I mean, let alone like how can you patch something or how can you do a vulnerability scan if you don't know about it as well? And so I think that anything that helps with understanding the inventory of, of things that are out there is certainly important. And I'm, I'm assuming that, that um, again, not to make it a tenable commercial, but that does help with discovery as well too. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we do a good job of helping customers under, you know, discover assets that they may not be aware of. Um, One of the biggest challenges and just a great example uh, when log4j came out and kind of took the world by storm, We had customers, uh, I I specifically work with just large accounts, and they were telling us things like, we have an Azure cloud environment, but we have no idea what's in there. Um, And so Tenable has connectors into these various cloud environments. And within a matter of seconds, for the very first time, they were able to see a full inventory of everything related to their account number. Uh, and it was like fourteen thousand things that they didn't know about um,
0: yeah, and that's what one of the things that makes it so difficult for us then to come behind and do what we do as far as um holistically creating in a risk based information security program. it's like if they if the client can't tell us what they have and and then we always try to take it a step further because then I want to know a data flow diagram. Okay. Here's all the things you have. Here's all the different data you have. Now, how does it all connect together? So I I would definitely agree. And uh, as that being a threat out there, as well as the alert fatigue, because that's huge, because we have so many devices out there now that are monitoring so many different things and, and just, you cannot prioritize kind of parroting what you said. You can't prioritize something if everything is a priority. So, yeah,
1: absolutely, and and we're doing some things that are that are pretty unique. I, I say pretty unique. I'm very biased uh, because I, I I work at Tenable and I, I bleed Tenable teal. But um, you know, within Tenable, while we're still f- focused on vulnerabilities and understanding vulnerabilities, we have a data science team, and this is kind of like the hidden crown jewel within Tenable that most people don't even know exists. Uh, we've got over a hundred uh, data scientists. Uh, that work specifically to create the detections for those vulnerabilities that we're talking about. But they do other things, too. So uh, last year, Tenable and the data science team found and responsibly disclosed over 130 zero days.
0: Mm, Thank you.
1: uh, Things like uh, with Zoom and Slack and even uh, Mm -hmm. Fios routers with Verizon. I mean, just as an example, these are these are all things that we work with those organizations on privately. We waited, you know, helped them develop uh, patches. And then once everything was taken care of and the customers were notified, then we could disclose those. But um, in addition to that, they've done some things within uh, the data feed. So, like, for example, um, when we scan for vulnerabilities, we don't just say this is a critical or high. Our data science team has uh, created this algorithm and that takes in about 150 data points. And we give you an additional score that tells you these are the vulnerabilities most likely to be acted upon the next 27 business days. And it's based on things like um, threat feed intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. Is there an uh, active exploit kit available? There's a lot that goes into that. I won't, I won't bore your listeners with uh, all the details, but we're really trying to help our customers understand what they have and then help them prioritize on it. Um,
0: Yeah, and and I said thank you at the beginning of that because it's like it's so important to have like that industry research to look at, identify zero days, and then go through and help with mitigation strategies and actions before it actually becomes public. I I think that if we didn't have that sort of ecosystem built on the backside of everything information security, it would be a lot worse than it is out there now. So, again, thank you for you guys doing that. but all of this, everything in cyber, and making sure that we try to protect everything the way that we should, it gets to be a little bit stressful. So I know you can't live any everything and anything cyber twenty four by seven. What's one of the things you do to decompress?
1: Yeah, that um, that is something that I um, that I've thought a lot about. I've, I actually published an article. I think it was uh, titled "The Importance of Adding a Ukulele to Your Security Practice." And, you know, uh, I was it was kind of tongue in cheek, but, um, you know, I've been I've had the, pre- uh, the privilege and the pleasure of working in the security community now for almost eight years exclusively. And then prior to that technology for, you know, 20 years. And one thing I've seen is this trend, uh, like you mentioned, like our our buddies, the, the guys and gals in the trenches responding to these alerts, trying to protect organizations day in and day out. They work really, really hard. And the stress level is incredibly high. A lot of mm-hmm. times they're underpaid and they're underfunded, but they're still expected you know, to protect the organization. Uh, nobody wants to be in the newspaper. And so uh, I think it's really important for myself and for you know, our, our community that we have good, healthy outlets uh, to relieve stress. Uh, I've seen that play out in a lot of different ways. You know, Some people work hard and they play really hard. Uh, and that can be in the form of all kinds of things, you know, whether it's, a, you know, a bourbon collection or a cigar uh, affinity. And, and, and both of those are fantastic. Uh, but the way I try to wind down is, is through physical activity. Um, I love to trail run. Uh, I'm here right outside the Great Smoky Mountains. I live in Knoxville. So we've got the urban wilderness in downtown Knoxville. So I'm, I'm doing trail runs. I'm doing mountain biking, uh, road cycling. Uh, go up to the mountains every chance I get. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, uh, I'm a man of faith too. And I think that, I think that plays into it. I I love security, uh, but you know, what we're talking about right now is very temporary security. Um, I think there is, I think there is a more philosophical discussion maybe for a different podcast where there's, there's like this eternal security uh, that can be reached. That's uh, impossible to achieve, um, you know, through a firewall or, or through a sim,
0: and I'm very open about my faith as well, too. I have spoken several times on the podcast about the why I do what I do, and basically, this has just been a God nudge for me. I know you and I have talked about this beforehand as well too, but I just to so, sort of summarize it, I got a little bit of a tap on the shoulder. That basically told me, hey, you're doing a good job in the security field. I could have retired as CISO at uh, my prior bank job where I was working there full time. But um, God was nudging me to say, you can do better with your talents and small and mid-sized businesses need something more like that. So yes, that is ultimately the ultimate security, if you will. I like the way you put that. And um, I, I it lends me to, I say this a lot, that Sometimes people ask me, "Well, you you seem to be pretty successful, Greg, in 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 information security and cyber consulting and all that. What's your secret sauce?" I said, "Really, it's it's very simple. If you have a heart of a servant, you will always be successful." So you're right. Uh, maybe maybe we'll have to do a special episode on that sometime because we it would it would I could talk on that forever. <laughs>
1: so. Well, Um, I I just wonder, sorry to interrupt, but I just wonder, you know, within within our community, um, we we deal with some incredibly, I would say, brilliant, if not genius people. Um, You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be in security, Um, but we there are some incredibly sharp and very uh, smart people. There's also some very cynical people uh, because of their Intelligence and their experience, and some of the, the the good things and the bad things that they've experienced, you know, just in dealing with human nature and and what they see in security. And I wonder if like folks like myself and and you who are trying to serve and solve problems, if more of us had that servant heart to where we really are trying to help them instead of push a product or you know go through some kind of marketing uh, framework. Um, I wonder, I, I think that there is something about being successful there, you know, loving God and loving people. And part of loving people is serving them and not really always having, you know, me as the focus. And so that that's always been my mindset is, um, you know, try to help other people. The rest of it will follow if it's meant to be.
0: Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are called to be the salt and the light and uh and and I think that sometimes the best way we can do that is through example and how we live. And then sometimes you'll have someone or how we run our careers and someone will come up to you and say like they did with me. Well, how did you get to that level of success? Well, thank you for the opening. Let me tell you. Exactly. <laughs> and and then and then it goes on. So, uh future
1: plans for you? Yeah, Um. so a little bit about me. I am a deep roots, loyal guy. Uh, and I believe that the only way to be successful in life is whether it's in a relationship, a marriage, a friendship, a career, is that you, you, you get to some place that you believe in and then you plant deep roots. And so, you know, personally, I've, I've never had aspirations of like climbing some corporate ladder, or going from one, you know, one company to another company uh, just to further my career—that's never been my goal. Um, my goal, honestly, is to to do a jo- good job with what I've been given. Um, that's why I, it, it's funny when I when I interviewed with Tenable almost eight years ago. One of the marks against me, and and the people that interviewed me—they're no longer they're no longer there. But the mindset was: is this is a software company and a security company, and we move fast. And you've been at Verizon now almost 14 years. That could almost speak to loyalty or it could be complacency, like you were very comfortable. Mm. And, you know, I had to kind of defend that because that's kind of a rarity in our industry right now. Uh, I see it is. If you go on LinkedIn right now, it's the beginning of the year. And there's so many people announcing that they started a new job and they're going to a new position. And it's like, wait a minute, you were at... You know, last year you were at the best company on the planet and you were there for four months and now you're and I'm not knocking that at all. I mean, let's you know, but I'm built differently that way. So my career objectives are I want to be a good steward of what I've been given. Uh, I'm very blessed to be here in Knoxville to work for Tenable. Uh, And the way they allow me to work is almost like I'm running my own franchise, very much like you're running your own business, Craig. They've given me, you know, a great pay, great health benefits, and then I get to work with some of the biggest named accounts on the planet. These global multinational corporations, and it's fascinating. So I wake up every day and I'm excited to see what the day is going to hold. And so I just, you know, I mean, this may sound naive, but I, I hope that I'm able to do what I'm doing uh, for a long time. Uh, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to continue to help the customers that I've been given, and I want to do a good job. And I still want to work and participate in the secure uh, the security community. Um, if opportunities arise and they they come my way, of course I'll I'll look at them and and pray about them. But uh, as far as you know, career objectives, I'm in the dream job that I thought I'd never have.
0: Well, you're a great influencer on LinkedIn, and you're. In one of the most beautiful spots in the nation, I believe Knoxville, that whole area is just having lived there three years myself, um, uh, it's just a wonderful place to be. so BJ, I so much appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Um, I, I again, like I said beforehand, we could talk on a lot of things for a much longer time. maybe we'll do a follow-up episode, but thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Absolutely. Greg, uh, love you. Love what you're doing in the, in the space. Thank you for supporting our, uh, our brethren and our sisters in the small, medium, uh, medium business community. A much underserved market. Uh, your expertise is, is greatly needed there. And I'm sure for the people that you interact with is greatly appreciated. Thank you for inviting me uh, to participate. Uh, I went through and looked at a lot of your episodes. You've had some great people on here, and uh, I don't feel worthy uh, to be part of this, but (laughs) but I appreciate you inviting me on, and I really enjoyed our conversation today.
0: Oh, me too, and thank you so much for the kind words, and everybody, stay secure.